0: Welcome to Bible Q&A, a monthly discussion with Luther Seminary faculty about everything you wanted to know about the Bible, but were afraid to ask. I'm Cameron Howard.
1: And I'm Eric Breda.
0: And we are joined today with the Reverend Tim Coltfitt, who is Contextual Learning Associate at Luther Seminary uh, here in St. Paul. Welcome, Tim. Thank you. It's good to be here. And we are also joined by Terry Elton, Associate Professor of Children, Youth, and Families here at Luther Seminary. Welcome, Terry.
2: Thank you. Good to be here, too.
1: So thanks, for everyone, for joining us. We're continuing our series on kids in the Bible, and um, uh, Tim, you brought us uh, some really good resources for how we think about this, shaped around especially around this metaphor of jazz. So tell us a little bit about why jazz helps us figure out how to talk to our kids about faith.
3: Well, I'm not going to pretend to know too much about jazz. I was sharing a little earlier. you got that, trumpet and saxophone. They can't uh, see it, but you got right? both right there in front of you. <laughs> and my experience goes up to ninth grade, and that's when I uh, signed off from, from the trumpet and jazz band. But that's probably a, a good enough uh, place to leave off because um, I think jazz became a real powerful driving metaphor from the lived experience of being a, a pastor in congregational life. And um, working with a pastoral team in that particular church, um, we came to a point where we're like, people are really fretting, nervous, anxious, um, and really sometimes feeling guilty that Mm -hmm. they don't know how to engage faith practices. They don't know exactly how to put this faith to work in their everyday lives. And so the driving metaphor of jazz became something that was really accessible Mm -hmm. and gave some... Uh, grace and some wiggle room for people to experiment, and it became really a freeing metaphor.
0: what do you think is overwhelming people? I mean <clears throat> where does this nervousness come from? Yeah.
3: yeah, well, I think sometimes uh our churches unintentionally can communicate that we're the experts um I mean for good reason, we do have staff, we have shepherds uh but the the ability for for congregational members to feel like Yes, I am a part of the priesthood of all believers. Yes, I have a voice. Um, and yes, shepherding my own kids is a vocation or a calling that I can uh, actually dig into or dive into with my family. Um, seems to be an area where we have some work to do.
1: Yeah, it's, I think I wonder sometimes if we think we can outsource a lot of these spiritual matters, like we can outsource like a soccer coach or somebody who will teach my kids trumpet or whatever. Um, and I think that we as leaders have sometimes enabled that kind of thinking that, you know, yeah, let us do the God stuff and then, you know, we'll come take care of you. But I think the gospel imagines something very different, that it's this kind of lived experience that we're all engaged in. It's not the the property of any one group. It's not the property of any leaders or anything like that. So on the other hand, though, I think without giving people resources then all we can do is kind of dwell on our guilt that we can't quite live up to those standards, Um, And you've given us some good resources here to thinking about different ways of how we might talk about faith. Tell us some about some of those.
3: Well, much of the the resources that I cited, um, I really built out of the assets that are found in the Exemplar Youth Ministry Study, which was a part of a series of studies that were funded by the Lilly Foundation. They were trying to understand what's really working Mm. in congregational Mm -hmm. life. An exemplary youth ministry study had a particular grouping of assets out of 44 total assets, faith assets that they're called and referenced in the article, um, that were specifically about household faith and families. And so just some really helpful cues as we're all doing jazz and trying to navigate faith in life, um, some helpful places for us to to think about this. And so uh, the first one has to do with with the parents' uh, individual walk.
1: Are you going to make me do some work? No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's good work. That's right.
3: Uh, We're building some muscle memory around your own uh, spiritual formation and and thinking about, well, how am I tending my faith? I mean... I kind of hate that metaphor of the airplane that's, you know, under duress or going down, but you're instructed by the flight attendant to first Mm -hmm. put oxygen on your face before you um, help somebody else. I never want to know where that metaphor ends because, you know, the plane's going to be okay. But in that, I think we're also mindful of the fact that um, much of the research that came out of that that whole era with the National Study on Youth and Religion... um, and others were saying, if we want to see spiritual kids, we need to see spiritual adults mm-hmm. in their mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a wonderful mirroring and reciprocal effect that happens yeah. in all of that. So how are we tending our own? There's some resources that I'm suggesting we might want to um, do some jazz with. Yeah,
1: yeah, because it seems it's not quite enough just to, like not to induce more guilt, but like it's not enough just to show up on Sunday. That There's it's more kind of transformational or daily... And again, not to make it a chore, like, like, you know, having to wash the dishes, but that faith, that's kind of how faith is most vibrant in our lives.
0: Well, and to be aware, right, to be aware of the ways that you are cultivating your own faith or what Uh is it that you read? What is it that you see? What is it that you pray? What, what are the things that you do every day that you might do sort of unconsciously, but are part of your own routine that are really important for you and sort of. Owning that, understanding that, and then passing that along. And I think I would
1: add, it doesn't all have to be like Christians, like, you know, labeled Christian stuff, like that hiking or or even just watching movies that, you know, not, that aren't explicitly Christian or reading books that aren't explicitly Christian can be feeding our faith. But there's an intentionality around it. We think about what is it that I'm doing?
2: Tim, you add one of these sections is just on family harmony, um, mm. about what it is to kind of live together mm-hmm. and Um, I've got kids that are 18 and 21 and live through a lot of places, and there were days it wasn't very harmonious in our house. (laughs) And I think one of the issues that I really like that you lift up, that this research does, is one of the ways we tend faith is to just to create ways to talk to our kids, to have um, ways that we're finding what they're interested in, lifting that up as well. And so um, talk a little bit about that. And specifically, I think about in my own life, some of that is getting over the stigma of being willing to talk to other people and not make what happens in our home so private. You know, what are ways that we can kind of overcome that sense of, um, do I dare share what actually happens in our house? And who might I share it with? And who might, you know, mm-hmm. what, what are ways to go about doing that?
3: Yeah. Well, I think when we look at the the two earlier assets, just around Um, tending to your own spiritual life, and also then um, thinking about your kid's spiritual life, you start Mm -hmm. building a a muscle memory. Mm -hmm. Um, I love Mark DeVries always uh, Mm -hmm. made a fun pop culture reference to Karate Kid, the movie, and and how was he learning how to do karate? He was doing the wax on, wax wax off, wax on, (laughs) wax off, but we can all say that. Um, And in the process, he thought he was doing something... Frankly, (laughs) menial, (laughs) you know, or meaningless. He was wondering what's going on here. But then in his time of need, when it was really the defining moment, Mm. you see that these things were serving a a greater good and also edifying him. Well, I think spiritual practice, Christian practices, when they're embodied, um, bring about a certain aura and way of Mm. being together. And as Mm -hmm. you talk about harmony, I think it's all connected, um, that we're seeking to connect to the body of Christ and what it means to be the body of Christ. And hopefully with an image like jazz, we're going to be able to say, well, we're going to start from point A. This is our family. Here's, who the, here's who's bringing instruments to the, to the gig. And uh, we need to engage this song together. We know the melody. We know the gospel. We know Deuteronomy 6 is a great framework for how we're, we're called to live as households. Um, But it's going to look different in Mm -hmm. every family. So how do we create that open posture? Mm -hmm. So I recently read that to learn is actually um, to risk one's own understanding. Uh And if there's a culture where we are willing to risk our own understanding and that we know that that's okay for us personally, Mm -hmm. but also this is how we model learning for our own kids and Mm -hmm. our own households, Mm -hmm. um, suddenly we have opportunities, I think, for some harmonious living, if we want um, to call it that. Yeah.
0: And we don't have to be perfect qu- Christians, right? We right, don't have right. to be successful, right? Christianity is not about being successful. It's about being grace-filled. Right? And so we don't have to have all the answers figured out to all the questions, and we don't have to be perfect in our practices, and maybe we'll try to do that evaluation, and we don't have any. Mm-hmm. It's not about trying to make your practices match up with the pictures on Pinterest, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not the sort of perfect model, mm. but it's about what works for your family and just thinking intentionally about faith together.
1: Yeah, and there's a posture there towards the Bible in particular that might be really helpful is that we open these texts and to, we're reading them together. There's not one person in the room who's the expert who says, this is what the Bible really means, but that we invite kids to ask really deep questions about them, to not exclude certain questions from possibility. Mm. Um, And I think that kind of open dialogue, both among families, I think with the families and the Bible, I think are are really powerful.
2: And Tim, I also think you invite us to not have to have this quiet, special moment in front of the coffee table, but it can happen in the minivan (laughs) or it can happen at McDonald's or uh, the doing jazz might be just kind of getting over having to find the ideal Mm. Pinterest moment or (laughs) Norman Rockwell. And, and weaving it into where we are when we're there for as long or as little time as we have.
1: That perhaps the ideal is the improvisational. It's yeah. whatever, the ideal right. is whatever actually happens. Right.
2: Yeah. And
3: that's where these links to Vibrant Faith and, and Faith Incubators, they have a little Faith Five kind of way for mm-hmm. you to engage highs and lows and just have some natural conversation around yeah. this that can take us to deeper places.
0: I have friends at church, a uh, family who do their praying together in the minivan on the cool. way to school wow. every yeah. day. And so they take turns um, saying their prayers, and it—you know—it's a time that they are together, that they are seizing together, which I yeah. love. Great. Thank you for joining us on Bible Q and A. You can find more information at EnterTheBible.org. Join us again.